family. Glad that everybody is here this morning. Glad to see if you, all of your faces, smiling, happy, joyous occasion to be together to worship. If you're visiting with us this morning, please fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you so we could get a record of your attendance. I promise that we're not using it so we can call you about your car's warranty or to make sure that your life insurance is up to date. We're just wanting to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, before we get into the lesson this morning, I want to remind everybody, October 16th, everybody is invited to a cookout at the Foldings. Need to RSVP with me, not with Sonny, because I need to know how much meat to provide. No, we're going to provide the meat, you provide the chairs, and the buns to put them in. Oh yeah, it would be you provide the buns and the chairs to put them in. I always get that backward. But let me know if you're coming so I know how much meat to have prepped and ready to go, because really... If I'm inviting you to a cookout at our house, that's really all I care about. I don't eat the vegetables. I don't eat any of that. You don't get a body like this by being vegan. So let me know if you're planning on coming. Also want to remind everyone, October 23rd, the following Saturday out at Joey and Diana's place, we're going to do fellowship and firearms from 8 to noon. I gave you some of the details in your bulletin last week, but just as a reminder, we're going to do pistols from 8 to 10, rifles from 10 to noon. If you're wanting to attend, and this is for anyone of any proficiency level, if you're wanting to even learn about firearms, this is the time to come out. We're going to have some great instructions, some great time in, safe, in a safe environment. I will, cannot stress that word enough. In a safe environment. That if you feel that you cannot be safe, I would encourage you to fellowship somewhere else or you will be encouraged to fellowship somewhere else. But looking forward to seeing you all there. If you don't have a weapon, that's okay. Find someone that's going, but you would ask, but Jeremy, how do I know who's going? Well, I guess that means you're going to have to talk to people because there's no sign-up sheet for it. Find out if they're willing to let you fire their weapon. Find out what ammunition that weapon uses. Go to Academy, go to Bowie's, go to anywhere that sells ammo uh, because I guarantee you with the price of ammo right now, most of those that own weapons don't have the M Buddies account for ammunition. So let them know about that. Also, Trunk or Treat, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. That's going to be October 30th. I'm looking for someone to verify that that's the correct date. October 30th, yes. Uh, for Trunk or Treat, that starts at 6 p.m. If you're wanting to participate in that, Nick has asked us to sign up on that sheet in the back. And finally, we hit triple-digit attendance last Sunday for Life Groups. That's a good deal, 101. And our group was missing some. And I think some other groups didn't have 100% attendance on theirs. So, good job, guys. The elders were excited to hear that we had hit triple digits on the attendance on that. They encouraged us to let that happen again. In fact, they dared us to let that happen again yeah, to see if we can do it two weeks in a row. That would be exciting. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Hmm. where we'll spend our time this morning in the lesson. You know, the path that Jesus is leading us on, as we've been looking at it in the book of Mark, just really isn't one for the faint of heart, is it? There have been a lot of challenges that he has presented to us, especially when you read certain phrases where he tells his disciples, hey, you're going to be hated because you're following me. 
And a lot of people hear that phrase and they don't like that idea. They don't like the idea of being hated by someone because I think in each of us, we want to be liked. We want people to like us. We don't want to be hated. But understand when he's making those kind of statements, what he's really doing is kind of just drawing a line in the sand for us. And he says, listen, if you're going to follow me, understand the consequences that come from a decision like that. Count the cost and understand we're looking for people who have the intestinal fortitude to make the commitment and follow through with that commitment. And, and we're told that we've got to love him more than anything. And if nothing teaches us about the price that Jesus is calling his disciples to, to pay, it's that statement right there, that we have to love him more than father, mother, sister, brother, anything and anyone on this earth. Jesus must be loved by us more than all of those. And we've seen instances where individuals will come and Jesus lays out the cost that they're told to pay, and it's too much. The rich young ruler, remember that story? Where he hears what Jesus is calling him to do, and he goes away sad because he's unwilling to make that kind of commitment that Jesus is calling for. And as we get to the end, getting toward the end of Mark's gospel, we're going to see next week that if we're going to follow Jesus, he's going to call on us to make the ultimate sacrifice. We have to die in order to become a disciple of Jesus. <clears throat> but today, I want us to see how Jesus leads us to this point. It'll help us maybe understand a little bit more about why we're called to die when we understand what God is actually wanting for us, the, the relationship that he's calling us to. So let's read together Mark chapter 14, and let's read just 32 through 36. Now, this is Jesus in the garden, and most of us are probably familiar with this. That's okay. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I prayed. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. He said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You know, there's this old riddle. Let's see if the kids know the answer to this riddle. You guys know what belongs to you but is used by everyone but you? Your name, right? It belongs to you, but it's used by everyone but you. Think about that. Unless you go around talking in the third person, which I do know people that do that. It's weird, right? It's, your name is used by everyone but you. And, and let's take it another step further. Did you know that there's a name that Natasha and Justice, that's our children, use for me that no one else uses? Can you guys guess what it is? Dad, father. In fact, I don't allow anyone else to use that name for me, okay? Because that is exclusive to my children. They're the only ones that have the right to call me dad. To call me, well, they don't do it very often, yeah, but usually when they do, it's a pretty serious conversation. Father, right? When they're coming to me and then when I know, depending on what they call me, so if, our, if they call me pops, I don't know what's happened. If they call me dad, I know it's more of a communal, just relational conversation. But if the word father comes out, I know it's something serious. I know what they're, that whatever it is that's on their hearts is a serious thing. But those are the things that they only call me and it is reserved only 
for them. Now, Jesus in verse 36 of what we just read uses a word for God, a title for God that's actually only used three times in the New Testament. Okay, it's used in Mark, here in Mark 14, in Romans 8 and Galatians 4. We'll get to those here in a second, right? And the word that he uses is Abba. And I think at times we read that and it's such a strange word to us, right? And all we think of is that Swedish disco band which put out some of the best music of the era, all right, if we're going to have that debate. But we get confused about the usage of it. We don't quite understand why it's being used. Why does Jesus use it here? But I want us to think about it in terms of the way that it, what it actually means. The word Abba describes a social relationship, okay, more than the biological one, even though it will include biological but it's basically a, like a so, this social fatherhood concept out of the Jewish people's customs revolves around the community's alpha male, all right? Uh, the guy that gives all of the instructions to the sons is how this looks. And to use the title Abba is to express comfort, it's to express familiarity in the way that you are talking to the individual that you're calling in that way. But it also acknowledges, while you're expressing comfort, while you're expressing familiarity, it also expresses that you confirm, confess that who you are talking to is stronger and in control. Think of it in terms like this. Uh, dads, I know that we've experienced this in the past where your little one comes and they've got a cut, boo-boo, whatever you call it in your house. And what do they come crying to you? And what do they call you? Dad, daddy, dada, papa. They come to you, why? Why do, why do kids come to us when they're cut and bleeding? Because they know you can fix it. Or at least they think you can fix it. That you can comfort them in, in their pain, right? So in our house, if a, one of our kids came to us and they had a cut on their arm or leg or whatever, and they... For one reason or another, they, did, they tried to come to me all the time. And I don't know why. But they would come to me and, I, and just bawling their eyes out. And I'd say, oh my goodness, this is horrible. We're going to have to amputate. And they would stick their arm out or their leg out or whatever. And I'd get my amputation tool, which was this, and start cutting their arm or leg off. And pretty soon they're laughing. And they're comforted. When we read Jesus using the word Abba, he is looking for comfort. He, he knows what's about to happen. What is he saying? Father, Abba, I don't want to do this. But I'm, I'm willing because I know that you're the authority, you're the, you're the one with strength, you're the one in control, I'm going to do whatever it is you tell me. But I need comfort through this. Because you are my Abba. You are my Father, right? And, and some will say that all people, right, are children of God. That everyone is a child of God. But look at the picture that Scripture paints for us in this way, right? Our reading this morning from John chapter 1, right? There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He, that's Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them, notice, those that received Jesus, to them 
God, excuse me, gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That were made his children by God's power, right? Through this adoption. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 8 where we hear this word being used again. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Which, by the way, the opposite would be true, right? If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, can we say that you're a son of God? No, right? For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And then again in Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, under the law excuse me, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Listen, guys, because we have been made part of God's family, we become God's children. He is the one that makes us that way. We don't just get to be born and and just go through life saying, well, I'm a child of God. That's how it works. No. That it has to be something that God does to us, not something that we do to ourselves through all of this. And how Jesus refers to God back in Mark chapter 14 speaks volumes for the relationship that's available to mankind. This is what God wants He wants us to find comfort in him. He wants us to be familiar with him. He also wants us to acknowledge his strength and his control. He wants us to have intimacy with him. And this is the relationship that Jesus is leading us in. This is the path he's forging. One where there is a father. And this is one of the comforts that, great comforts that I find from the scriptures. Because even if you have never experienced this type of relationship with an earthly father, it is available through God that we can have this relationship. That if our earthly fathers failed in this capacity, God still provides it. father who is strong, a father who is in control. No matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we can always find comfort when we run to our Abba. That relationship's available still. But again, it's only available to those who are willing, just like Jesus was, to give up their own will for the Father's will.
Do you guys did pick up on that, what Jesus had said? Not my will, but yours. Even though he's making confession of Jesus as the great comforter and strength, but knowing that he will go to his death, still finding comfort there? That's the path to adoption, guys. That's the path to being made children of God. Making the confession of Jesus as Lord and submitting our will to his. Following him in death. Following him in burial. Following him in resurrection. We do that in our baptism. Jesus did it in a tomb. That's what God wants for each of us here this morning. Some of us have experienced that relationship. But Satan lies to us all the time. He tells us that there is no comfort in God in certain situations, that, there is no, there's, that he's not actually in control of a situation that you find yourself in and that you're trapped. I will remind you again of what Paul wrote in the scriptures that we read this morning. He is not leading you to a spirit of slavery, but to a spirit of adoption. Satan is the one who enslaves with his lies. God is the one who frees his children. Don't be a slave. Be a son. Be who God's calling you to be. Make the confession that you don't want that. Seek guidance from the elders and counsel from them. Prayers from the body. Whatever we can do, we're here for you. That's why God gave us, all of us, and maybe you're ready to just become a son or daughter to make the ultimate confession. The best decision a person will ever make on this earth is to decide to become a disciple of Jesus, to be adopted into God's family. When Eric leads us in this song that we're about to sing, this is those, that's the opportunity for you. Whatever it is that we can do this morning, we encourage you to come forward, make it known while we stand and sing.